Robin Gallagher and welcome to Ripples. Throughout our program, a series of guest speakers will share words of wisdom from their life experience and we will offer you a series of meditations so that you can take some time just to stop and listen to that voice within, that voice of the Spirit. So come and enjoy some inspired voices and treasured stillness and allow the ripple effect to begin. I am privileged to welcome Eric Cruz to our program today. Eric is an official RUOK Day ambassador. He is 38 years of age, is married to his wonderful wife Sarah, and is very proud of his Filipino heritage. Eric is from Adelaide and works in the community services sector for Catholic Care. He holds a bachelor's degree in psychology and has worked across the corporate, disability, aged and mental health sectors. In addition to this role, Eric owns and manages his own mental health awareness enterprise called Man About Adelaide. Through this mental health online platform, Eric has already shared his story with over 50 groups. Eric's passion for mental health awareness stems from his own lived experience with anxiety and depression, as well as the effects that it has had on those close to him. In this episode, he generously shares his personal story and speaks to the power of checking in on family and friends. He names some of the barriers in speaking about mental health issues and the power of asking, are you okay? Please note that there are some references in this episode to sensitive mental health issues, including suicide. If you feel uncomfortable or distressed at any point, please reach out to someone for help, connect with one of the support agencies like Beyond Blue or Lifeline, or contact a medical practitioner directly. Hello, Eric, and welcome to the program. It's just so wonderful to have you with us. It's a pleasure to be here, Robin. Thank you for having me. Oh, wonderful to have you. And Eric, you're an Are You OK Day ambassador, and you know the power of checking in with family and friends. I wonder if we could begin by going back to the early years with your family, you know, when you first came to Australia, so that we know something of your story. Yeah, no worries. I'm happy to share. So um, I am from a Filipino background. Uh, My mother and father are both Filipino, and they decided to migrate to Australia back in 1984, which is quite a long time ago now. Um, I was only six months at the time. Um, And my parents have often told me growing up that they decided to make the move to Australia for a better life for my siblings and myself. So I've got two older brothers and an older sister. And um, yeah, my parents wanted to make a fresh start and give me and my siblings the opportunities in life that we are now taking advantage of. So really thankful for my parents for um, doing that. It's a big move, Eric. It's a big move. Absolutely. And my parents um, left their siblings and their families and what they knew of their life. So very, very grateful for the opportunities that they allowed me and my siblings to have. Oh, absolutely, Eric. And Eric, I've, I've heard part of your story and it's, it's a story that's filled with, with courage and hope. I just wonder if you could share something of your own journey and, and the significance of Are You OK Day? Yeah, sure. So. Yeah, quite happy to share my story. It's something that 
traditionally. Um, previously, I wasn't comfortable in sharing, but as time has gone on, I've become more confident in sharing my story because I think the power of my journey and what I've been through can help others and, and inspire others. So Definitely. back in 2014, um, it was a very exciting stage of my life in the beginning of 2014. I was preparing for my wedding to my lovely wife, Sarah. Yeah, everything was going great. We had a beautiful wedding ceremony, had lots of family come from interstate and overseas to celebrate with us. And we went on a lovely honeymoon to Thailand and was thinking, wow, this is pretty good. I'm, I'm loving my life right at this point in time. Then we got back from our honeymoon and um, I started, I guess, feeling a little bit strange. I don't know how to describe it fully, mm. but my life had changed. I was a married man and yeah, things were actually looking like things were rosy and I, it's something that was like, mm, am I worthy of this? <laughs> um, so yeah, I was taking close note of my feelings and emotions and I started journaling at that point. And I noticed when I was journaling that a lot of my thoughts and experiences, some of the language that I was using was turning quite dark. Mm. And I was, mm. yeah, keeping track of this. And I was um, engaging with my GP um, for another related medical condition. And I was letting him know that I wasn't actually feeling the best. Um, and it was a funny period of my life because I thought, yeah, things are going great, but they're not entirely great. Yes. Around a similar time, um, my father, he started to have a change in behaviour as well. For So my father, um, growing up, had a 90% uh, hearing loss. Mm -hmm. So he had profound hearing loss, which is probably a combination of some medical conditions he had growing up, as well as working in sheet metal fabrication. And around July of 2014, my father started getting a constant ringing in his ears called tinnitus. So not sure if many um, of your listeners have heard of that condition, but it is a constant ringing or humming in the ear. And obviously when you have a 90% hearing loss, that can drive you a little bit crazy. So we started seeing a bit of a behavior shift in my father. He started to withdraw and wasn't really engaging in the things that he would love doing. So he's a keen gardener and he just wasn't even spending time in his garden either. Yeah, that was a lot of alarm bells and flags for us. And for, I don't know um, if many people are aware, but in the Filipino culture, speaking up about mental illness wasn't really encouraged. Um, unfortunately, it's probably more discouraged because it was seen as, something wrong within the family unit and the family dynamics. So mm -hmm. it was really hard for my father to, I guess, speak about his emotions. And unfortunately, or well, fortunately, um, my father had a non-fatal attempt at suicide. Um, it obviously got so much um, for him, but luckily family were around to support him um, during that time. And he spent up to six months in a mental health ward in the hospital close to where my parents live. Yes. So Robin, that teamed with my feelings and emotions um, was quite a heavy period um, in my life. So much all at, at the one time. Absolutely. It was, it was very full on. There was a period there where I wasn't coping with what was happening with my father as well as myself. 
Yes. And I spoke to my GP and um, I was referred on to a psychiatrist and I was diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder and obsessive compulsive disorder. So I always knew at the back of my mind that there was something um, in me that was not quite right. And I guess that kind of confirmed what I had been feeling earlier on um, during 2014. And sometimes it's just about giving a language to help your own understanding to develop and then know how to work with it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Robin, around that similar time of my diagnosis and what my father was going through, I received the very shocking news that a close friend of mine who I was a groomsman for a few months prior had actually taken his own life. And that really took me back because I had no idea that he was feeling low and feeling blue. And um, a lot of guilt came over me because I started thinking, what more could I have done? Oh, Eric, what what a time for you, Eric. My my heart uh, my heart aches for you, knowing what you were going through at that time, Eric. And I can only imagine what a year it must have been for you to 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 be dealing with all of that and, and the loss of of such a close friend. Yeah, thank you, Robin. It was a really tough time, and I look back at that period of my life now, and I think how hard and how stressful it was um, for myself and everybody around me. But it's also told me or taught me how resilient I can be through times of duress and, um, I guess, times of adversity. Eric, during this time, what support were you given at this time? You know, were people checking in with you or or what what helped you at that time? Yeah, that's a really great question, Robin. Thank you for asking. Um, because I didn't really reflect at the time who had helped me, but um, years later, I have been able to reflect and ponder as to what did help me during that time. And I think the support of my wife really helped during that time. And I think after my diagnosis, my wife really took the time to actually learn about what generalised anxiety disorder meant, not only for me, but also for her and what that would mean for our relationship moving forward. Um, So she was a big pillar of support for me and I'm forever thankful that she was there to be by my side. And I know, fortunately, um, I have had her and I know that a lot of people don't have that significant other person in their life. But I also had a lot of close friends um, that did check on me, um, especially a lot of the mutual friends that I shared with my close friend, Brody, who took his life. So yeah, we were all really great for one another. But what really did help me as well was actually swallowing my pride and actually accessing therapy and supports. um, Because I knew that a lot of it could come from me. um, But a lot of it needed to come from the assistance of a professional um, during that time. So it's the combination of um, professional help as well as the support network around me. I was thinking of that actually as you spoke, Eric, you know, the the, the friends who were, were checking in and, and those close relationships, but then also like your wife, Sarah, learning a bit about it and understanding it and you learning more about it and then drawing on that professional skill set as well. It's, it's a multifaceted approach, I think, that is often the most helpful. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I must point out as well that family um, was really great during that time as well, because we're all experiencing the same stress with my father. So we really leaned on each other. My siblings were able to help out my mum during that time. So I think having a really solid network of supports around really helps. So yeah, it, it was a lean time, but got through it yes yes and Eric I was just thinking I mean you and Sarah you you married in 2014 like you said which was the same year that these other very significant things were happening as well as being diagnosed um, with 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 anxiety and now it's been eight years since since that time you know what are some of the ways your family and friends continue to support you particularly you know, I think in those moments when you feel you might be slipping, I mean, that's the natural part for all of us. You know, there's times when we're, you know, travelling okay and then times when we're slipping. What what do they offer you at those times that's, that's most helpful? Yeah, that's another great question. Thank you, Robin. So my family and my close friends know that I am slipping when I start to withdraw. Right. Okay. So I don't respond to text messages. I don't really do the things that I usually enjoy doing, which is the biggest telltale sign for them that something's up. And I guess for them, um, they do ask me the question, are you okay? But they also understand that I also do need some time to process things as well. So just to know that they're there in the background, should I need them and should I want to open up and talk, um, that really helps a lot. So just giving me the space and time to, I guess, deal with what I'm dealing with, but also knowing that I can turn to them whenever I need. Yes, it's it's beautiful the way you described it, Eric. It's sort of that sense, I think, that, that there's a, a confidence around their support and presence, but then permission to have the space and time to... To, to heal and to um, to go through what you're going through, knowing that they you know that you'll move on from that too. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. important. And I guess everybody deals with things quite differently. But my friends and family know that that's my way of processing yes. Yes, um, and dealing with um, those difficult times in my life. And yeah, it's just really comforting in a sense for me to know that they're aware of when I am slipping. Yes. So I guess it's kind of like a security blanket for me to know that should I be slipping and not be aware of it at the time that I do have people around me that are aware of the signs to look out for. Yes. Yeah. That's that's a, a wonderful gift our family and friends can 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 offer us. Absolutely. Definitely. Yes. Now, Eric, I'm also aware that you come with um, a great deal of professional experience, having studied psychology and you've worked in the mental health sector at, at, at different times. And at the same time, you've got this wisdom from your own life experience. So, Eric, how do you support others? Because you would be doing this daily and weekly, but how do you support others when you can see that, that they're struggling? Yeah, so I'm able to support others because of the support that I've been given in the past. So I've learned a lot from, uh, I guess, true life experiences and something that I've developed since my period of adversity in 2014 is I knew something had to change because at that point, myself and my father, being from cultural ethnic backgrounds where it wasn't really uh, looked favourably upon to talk about your mental illness and especially for men. There was a real service gap for men. 
So I developed a micro enterprise here in Adelaide called Man About Adelaide, which focuses on men's emotional health and well-being. That was developed back in 2017, um, a few years after my initial diagnosis. And I just wanted to put a platform out there where men, boys were just confident to, I guess, speak out and talk about their struggles and dropping the stigma attached to mental illness. So started that in 2017 and had 19 volunteers immediately jump on board. How wonderful. Um, I mean, yeah, it was only really sort of affirms the need for it, doesn't it? Eric? Absolutely. Yeah, that really, as you said, it reaffirmed the need out there. Um, and these were volunteers that were dedicating their own time. So since 2017, my little micro enterprise platform has done over 50 community talks across South Australia. I'm sharing our own personal journeys and just empowering um, individuals, not just men, males and females, about the importance of checking in with other people and the importance of mental health awareness, because it has been a taboo so subject um, throughout our society for a very long time. And the more we have these platforms and avenues for people to be authentic and share what's really going on, I think that, you know, the, the better the better we are. Absolutely, yeah. Sure. Eric, people draw on so many different things for support and, and you've mentioned a number of these, you know, family and friends, um, professional help. Um, some people are in, go out in nature, meditation, spirituality. And all of these can play a really important role. I wonder, you know, in terms of, of your own faith and your, your own spirituality, how has that supported you over these years? Yeah, so being a Filipino, very Roman Catholic uh, culture. So I was brought up a Roman Catholic and I guess that faith and that belief did help me and my family during that time of my father's um, mental illness. Just knowing that for me, Prayer is a very powerful thing for me to actually speak to God and actually tell him what I'm going through. So just have that faith of mine really helped me during that time and is really important for me because it gives me something to hold on to, especially in times where there is uncertainty. That gives me something that is certain that I can rely on and turn to in times of adversity. Yes, it's it's a little like you were saying, like a, a close friend, a sense of that that consistent presence, that yeah. loving presence that says I'm here for you. Absolutely. Mm. So um, I would often go down to the local park near where I live and I would meditate as well as pray. And I really found that that helped me to clear my head and to actually ground me and reset. Mm. Yeah, that's wonderful. I, I, I really resonate with that too, Eric, very much so. Eric, as we both know, over these last few years during COVID, it's been a very challenging time, a, a challenging time for all of us in, in varying ways. Eric, I just wonder if you could speak a bit about um, your own observations around the impact of, of COVID on on those with whom you've worked with or, or friends or family and, and your own experience of it as well? Yeah, COVID has been a challenging time, as we both know, all around the world. It's been a time that's been quite isolating for a lot of people, especially being in lockdowns, 
um, isolating as close contact and the like. And I think one of my observations is a lot of people did retreat into yeah. their own worlds, I guess, so to speak. And that was because they had to. Um, but what worked for me was that I Im implemented a lot of self-care strategies. So I journal a lot. So I journaled about my feelings. I was able to speak to my wife about my feelings as well. Um, I practice mindfulness um, and I do a little bit of yoga as well and meditation. Um, one thing that I did also do and make, made a conscious effort in doing was actually one week, each week that we were in lockdown was to FaceTime and connect with a family member or a friend mm -hmm. um, just to keep that human interaction alive. Yes. Um, but yeah, it was a really tough time for everybody. But I think, yeah, coming up with um, some strategies to counteract that feeling of isolation really helped. Yeah, I think you're so right, Eric. I think it's, I mean, what you express so clearly is that you you almost seem to need to know what's what your toolbox, what's going to be in your toolbox. Correct. And yeah, that during yeah. these times of challenge, we really need to draw on that, that, yeah. that toolbox of self-care and know them and name them so that we can um, actually integrate them. Absolutely. Eric, you're an Are You OK Day ambassador. I wonder if you could tell us a bit about what led you to this and, and what does this role actually involve? Yeah, thanks, Robin. So Are You OK is a cause that's very close to my heart. It's something that, a question that was asked of me um, back in 2014, um, I had a close friend of mine ask me the question, Are You OK? And at that time, I basically said the default response that a lot of people give, and that was, I'm fine. But my close friend knew that I wasn't exactly fine because he knew my behaviours had shifted and had changed. So that particular friend of mine actually kept in contact with me and always regularly checked in. So I really am forever indebted to that friend of mine for actually asking me that question. So it's a cause that's really resonated with me because it actually made me take that next step to access therapy. I guess the reason why I have uh, decided to become an Are You OK ambassador is I feel like I want to give more to the community and actually spread the Are You OK cause. And um, the theme for this year is Are You OK? No Qualifications Needed, which I think is really, really a poignant message because a lot of people think that if you're struggling from mental illness, you can only get assistance from a medical professional, which isn't actually the case because my situation and my example of my close friend was an engineer, <laughs> had no um, mental health qualifications or counselling qualifications at all, but he actually was able to get me out of that rut and actually lead me to, I guess, ask the questions of myself um, to access services and supports. Mm. That's wonderful, Eric. And I, I suppose what you've expressed so beautifully, it, it's about it can open the door. You know, it opens the door. And, and you know, and there, there's times when we as friends and family can, um, that begins a conversation, you know, and there may be other times where it can open the door so that that person may then pursue, you know, further help that may be helpful in another, in another way, being professional or whatever it might particularly be. But it, I think it's about it, it. It opens the door, doesn't it, to a yeah. conversation that can then be transformative. 
That's right. And the RUAK cause and the concept is just the beginning point. So the four steps to asking, are you okay? So it's asking the individual if they're okay. It's listening in and it's encouraging action. So referring them onto all those additional supports and services. And then it's about checking in after you've referred them onto various other supports and services. So the IOAK cause is something very close to my heart and something that I'm very proud of being an ambassador for. Yes. Eric, I can't thank you enough. Your willingness to share your story is so much appreciated. It's a very moving story, but it's one that I know that so many of our listeners will identify with at many levels. So I can't thank you enough for, for your generosity, for your great wisdom and all that you're doing to really promote this such vital message of, of checking in with, with family and friends who are, you know, going through difficult times because we all do at different times in our lives. So I can't thank you enough. Thank you so much, Robin, for giving me the opportunity to share my story and my journey. I think it's really important for me to, I guess, be open and transparent about what I've been through because I think um, it can help others to, if they can hear the experiences that, somebody else has been through that they're not alone everybody does have lean periods in their life and especially in the past few years with COVID it's been quite tough for everybody I think now is a time more than ever where it's really important to check in on those close to you and ask them if they're okay and yeah just a reminder of this year's theme are you okay no qualifications needed you don't need to be a counsellor or a therapist to Ask people in your close network whether they're okay. So I wish you and all your listeners all the very best. Thank you so much, Eric. Thank you for joining our program today. Eric's moving story reminds us all of the power of asking those three words, are you okay? The next episode to follow, episode 32, is also in support of Are You OK Day and includes an interview with Dr Cathy O'Grady, who is a GP and a medical educator with the Black Dog Institute. Cathy speaks about the work of the Black Dog Institute and about some of the ways we can enter into a conversation with adults who may be struggling. And as we acknowledge Are You OK Day on September 8, I encourage all of us to consider those in our lives who may benefit from someone asking this question. Go gently, and I look forward to being with you next time. Please note that there were some references in this episode to sensitive mental health issues, including suicide. If you felt uncomfortable or distressed at any point, please reach out to someone for help. Connect with one of the support agencies like Beyond Blue or Lifeline or contact a medical practitioner directly.